All right, and welcome to the Counterattack Podcast World Cup Final Preview Edition. My name is Devang Desai of thescore.com. I'm joined today by Richard Woodall. Rich, Yo. how are you? I'm well. I'm tired. I think everyone is. And also today joined by Mr. James Big. James, how's it going? I'm wonderful, thanks. What excuse have you guys got to be tired? <laughs> <laughs> so a month, 32 days. I feel like, especially I guess in our office, the, uh, the World Cup War Room has become a... Uh, a sleeping barrack and a uh, a place to uh, it smells in there. Yeah, it, it does. smells like victory. It does. It smells like blood, something. Yeah. Blood, sweat, and tears, yeah. and discarded chip bags is the, the broken smell. hearts, shattered dreams. Yeah, all of that. It's been fun. Um, so we're almost done now. We only have two games left. The uh, highly anticipated third place game, which I think everyone's <laughs> going to be glued to on Saturday. <laughs> Who will come away with third place? Brazil or are the you, Netherlands? Are you, are you got a real sports to watch that. I think so. I'm a little yeah. worried it might get too crazy in yeah. terms of like people just being like, "This is my life or death situation." Do to, we do we all generally agree with Van Hall in saying that? Why do it's we garbage. still? Why yeah. are we still going through with this? What a it waste is, of time. Yeah, it's so it's so such an anticlimax. We uh, our friend Michael Jongsma, who's a uh, a Dutch expert football writer, uh, asked, "Do you think adding a medal to the third place game would would make it more meaningful? A bronze medal, something like that?" I don't think so. No, I don't. You know, what would be funny either. is the idea they win this medal and then you know Champions League style they immediately take it off, even though they've won the game. You know, Isn't like yeah. too good for this. Yeah. Well, like you have Arian Robin, Arjun Robin, saying that uh, <laughs> fuck the Arian Robin, the CBC broadcast. I swear, I've been calling him Arian Robin the entire time. That the I master think, race of winners. Right? <laughs> He's he is the white supremacist footballer of choice. Really. Uh, no oh, God. So Robin, Robin said that he he didn't care about this game either, and I think I, I'm glad they're honest. But yeah. for results, like if you win a game, I know it's not going to repair the disaster that happened no. against Germany, but it'd be nice to leave on a positive. I don't right? know. It feels like a walk of shame to me. It's it, like making you go out and apologize for what you've done in the last game a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know, I get that too. I if get you that watch too. Uh, highlights from the old. You know, third third cup or third place matches. They the players actually do look earnestly happy when they score, and mm. it doesn't look like they're all just moping around being horrible. Well, it would be different if Brazil wasn't involved, I think. And the fact that they are, it will be like, if they can, if they can win. Yeah. Be like, right, I, well, guys. I think it's a moment for like Scolari to be like, yeah, they're they're bad, but they're yeah. not that bad. Like, <laughs> we're still like Julio, yeah. Julio Cesar doesn't have to walk away from international football being like, yeah, I gave up seven goals to Germany, and my legacy is forever for that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll have a good game. Anyways, uh, today we're going to talk about some of our favorite moments from the past uh, month, and it's been a month, a long month, but no shortage of storylines and amazing moments, and then we'll get into a bit of a, a preview of Sunday's final, Lionel Messi versus Germany, and I think he has 10 teammates who's going to play with him against Germany, but... Hey, Mascarano. Mm-hmm. If you were to read uh, the banter the banter on the uh, internet these oh. days, it's basically Lionel Messi single-handedly will play Germany by himself, so... There is not... I mean, that's not... I don't know if he'll single-handedly play Germany, but I think there's a case to say that Messi was probably at the center of most of everything Argentina <laughs> yeah. done up to it's this not, point. The, the it's Cup. not entirely far-fetched. I would agree with you there. Yeah. And you only have to look at the quiet game he had against uh, Holland as well to show that when he doesn't tick, right. Argentina doesn't tick. Well, it's yeah. funny because it felt like the Dutch didn't play the game that brought them there because they were so obsessed with Messi. So maybe Messi, by not doing anything, really did because of all the wow. attention paid to him, right? Well, Mind fuck. Uh, I think Jonathan Wilson said this morning that uh, one of the things he... 
indirectly did was to draw uh, Wesley Schneider further back That's to Markham, right. and in doing so, cut off a, a you know a source for Aryan Robin, which took so Robin on. out That's of the right. game. Hang on, back up. What you're telling me is that when Messi is ineffective, he's effective. He's yeah. even more this effective. Just possibly, blown right? my mind. I, I like to leave nuggets out there for the listeners to have their mind expanded, and that's uh, that's clearly one of them. I kid. <laughs> All right, so I thought we'd go around the table and talk about uh, some of my favorite moments from the World Cup. I will just list off some of the things that have happened, and if this sounds like a lot, it's because it's been a There mo- was a lot. The group stage was arguably the most exciting group stage we've ever seen in a World Cup. And I know that's recency bias, and it's just uh, because it just happened, that's definitely what everyone's I saying. Think, I don't think that's... I mean, I looked at all the, the it, sort of... It seems legit, right? Yeah, I so would we say have, that's probably true. We have the Van Persie header. We mm-hmm. have the Tim Cahill wonder strike. We have John Brooks' winner against Ghana. Costa Rica wins their group somehow. Spain does not get out of their group. England sucks again. Ha-ha. Ronaldo's cross against the U.S. Suarez beats Colini, bites Colini. Suarez gets suspended. <laughs> James Rodriguez is amazing. That crazy bug on James Rodriguez's arm yeah, was what amazing was all that as well. About? The bug of the tournament. Sully Montari and Kevin Prince Boateng kicked off the Ghanaian team. Panera hits the post against Brazil and then gets a tattoo of it for some reason. <laughs> Lionel Messi hits an amazing goal against Iran to win. Tim Howard against Belgium. Tim Krul against Costa Rica. Peter Drury yelling, The Netherlands! <laughs> <laughs> and Brazil versus Germany. Like, I... We haven't even scratched the surface. It was really. Keylor Navas against uh, Greece. There's, there's so uh, many. There's so many. Yeah. And, it, and I, I think it makes sense that people are raving about this tournament as being one of one of the best we've ever seen and just where it took place in, in the, the homeland of football, if you want to yeah. say. That's not fair to a lot of other countries, but Brazil definitely has the history. I don't know, Rich, what what was the, the standout moment for you? Um, it's hard to pick one. I think the one that I felt the most engaged, and this is probably because I wrote their squad reports for most of the first two weeks of the tournament, was, was the United States round of 16 match against Belgium. And I, and I was openly rooting for the U.S., mostly because I enjoyed doing the squad reports and following the team around. But uh, I just thought in terms of drama, in terms of uh, it was a sloppy game, you know, maybe tactically. And obviously there's questions to be asked when when Tim Howard is, is called <laughs> to make so many saves. I don't know how many made that. Obviously broke the record in terms of recorded saves in a World Cup match. So, uh, But at the same time, obviously the things that made the U.S. team endearing were there as well the work rate uh, Jermaine Jones you know <laughs> looking Jermaine like he's going to dying on the turn field. into a puddle at any, any I wonder how that would have played in the American media because like you know there's some people who are like oh they'll never clue into soccer because they don't like some of the values that the players have if Jermaine Jones died on the field would that not be like if you thought soccer was for wimps it's probably enough out. they'd probably turn <laughs> and goals around wouldn't it yeah yeah, yeah. But, I mean, this is the problem. There's so many of these moments, and I was just thinking that amazing sequence when, obviously, uh, Julian Green getting them back in the game with that, that extra-time goal, but the set play, free kick. that oh, brilliant oh, set oh, play, had that, that come almost off. came off. Had that come... I mean, it, all he needed was a little dink yeah. over the goalkeeper. Had that have gone in, I literally would have spontaneously combusted yeah. on my sofa. <laughs> no, I was... I, literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally, I would have done, yeah. It was uh, it was the most intense game that I sat through this World Cup. It was probably mm-hmm. my favorite uh, individual game. I moment. feel like Thibaut Courtois, Courtois does not get enough credit for making that save, too. Eh? That was right. not, an easy, not an easy play to read, and he did exceptionally well. Yeah, sure. He made, he made Dempsey work for that, yeah. and he couldn't put it home. The U.S., you know, is crazy, and I... The fans definitely deserve a lot of credit, too, for making it such a special event, especially in Brazil. Some of the best traveling support that the World Cup had seen, and I know geography helps them in that sense, but the U.S. were forces mm-hmm. in Natal and, and Manaus and the places that they played. It was exceptional. It's it's weird. We're so used to America being so good at most things, 
except soccer. Yeah. And when you when you see them kind of the plucky underdog with a lot of players who are very likable, it's very, very difficult to not be like, you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing them go You deep. know what, though? That was why I was so conflicted about it, because the U.S. is so good at every other sport. Right. Seemingly, it was kind of like, oh, come on, just let us have something. <laughs> you know, because like, if they go through to the quarters, we'll never hear the end of it. I have to say, and I won't name names, but one of the things I did notice in the aftermath of that game is a lot of people immediately attacking Jurgen Klinsmann. And, it, and there are some questions you can definitely ask, like, leaving Kyle Beckerman out of that game. But at the same time, I think that there, it, it became apparent that this criticism was because of the belief that the team had the talent to really push for something big in this world. And they probably didn't. I just don't think they, they did. I didn't. think that they will yeah. at some future stage. Um, but I, despite the work rate, despite like the adoration of some people for, for Michael Bradley, among others, and obviously... You know, there's just some players who look knackered, like mm-hmm. throughout, and worked hard despite being tired, but didn't. You know, I just think of Clint Dempsey, maybe towards the dying stages of that game. Well, it's funny, Michael Bradley came under a lot of criticism, but what did Clint Dempsey really do in this tournament outside of that wonder, that amazing quick goal against Ghana? Like, I, I know Clint, uh, he scored another important goal against the. Um, Portugal against the Portugal. Go-ahead goal, That's yeah. right, the uh, the dick goal, or yeah, the, the, mid-se- the midsection goal, <laughs> bowel goal. Uh, but Clint wasn't exactly that great either during the tournament. I think Bradley came under so much criticism because he had the ball so much. So much. And then that, so when true. that happens and when you're knackered, as, as Bridge said, you're going to make more mistakes. Right. I think the one, the big thing for Michael Bradley was against Portugal. He had the ball with about 30 seconds left in, in stoppage time, and he, he conceded possession. Next thing you know, Ronaldo's streaking down the wing, sends in a ball that... Might, might be the prettiest pass I think mm-hmm. we've seen in some time and that goes in that's, to me it's, it's happened, a lack right? of players like that the sort of wingers who can beat you like I mean Yedlin was great when he came on for uh, uh, what was it who was uh, Fabian Johnson who was right. injured and then um, you know he was bombing down that 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 I guess was the right flank and uh but part of the problem is is that because he was so far up the pitch that obviously Belgium was getting these opportunities over and over and over again um, in the other direction. And I think the problem is, like, you look at Graham Zussi, he's just not that type of player. Yeah. And he had an okay tournament. I don't think he was particularly um, standout-ish. I, but um, this, the U.S. just don't have that player. They don't have that Kevin De Bruyne or, or Kevin Morales type player to come in. Yeah, I just felt that the, the whole U.S. display was greater than the sum of its parts. It was the, you know, the perfect, you talk about you know, a team effort, that's what I saw from the mm-hmm. U.S., um, like you said, I mean, you know, the team itself, you look at them as individuals and they had no right to really progress as far as they did. And let's be honest, they had a little bit of luck here and there along the way too. But I kind of felt that that team spirit was enough to earn them that little extra bit of luck and push them as far as they did. But I really hope it has and genuinely hope it has laid the foundations for something a bit greater there now. That self-belief that the US can be a force to be reckoned with on the world stage. And let's be honest, they should be. Um, yeah, and from a fan's perspective too, it seems like that they've really embraced soccer, and I hope it's it is a case of breaking through that glass ceiling and not kind of the false storm we, that we saw in '94. Well, didn't you tell us this morning via email that uh, engagement numbers have uh, have That's true. stayed steady despite yeah. the U.S. exit? So. Grown, in fact. Yeah. And yeah. It helps that they have Copa America next year, which will be. Oh God, that's, I think US. that's going to be, be bigger massive. for U.S. soccer mm-hmm. than this world. That'll be massive. Yeah. All right, James. What about you? Like you said, it's so difficult. So many moments to pick from, and like the dozen or so that you reeled off earlier, a number of them. For me, I mean, you know, the, the man of the tournament, from my perspective, was Rodriguez up until Colombia's yep. elimination. He was a player I think a lot of people took to their hearts. 
I remember the, the spin and volley, I think it was against Brazil. Uruguay. Uruguay, sorry. Um, Just which, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, when I saw that live, I was like, this kid is the real deal. I mean, he'd already suggested he's yeah. the real deal, but that really kind of cemented it to do that on the world stage. And, of course, even the insects liked him as well, the massive kind of yeah, praying I, Between that, that bug and the one in the uh, Japan-Cote d'Ivoire game that I thought was a piece of wood on the ground, <laughs> but it was not. And I'm like, whoa, why, they really zoomed in on this piece of the wood. And that, right. was not, that was not at all. But he was great. And it looks like Madrid are you know, lining up a bid for him, if you believe the reports um, around there as well. Anything that um, you know, Mexico's Miguel Herrera did was Fantastic. fantastically Fantastic. entertaining to me. And those kind of moments throughout a tournament whereby you're exposed to perhaps a coach or a player or a manager that you've not been previously really been that aware of, to watch his antics on the sidelines and to inject a bit of character into the tournament, I thought was wonderful. And I can't not watch those vines over and over again <laughs> of him celebrating. They're all kind of the same, but they're all unique. <laughs> they're all, in their of, own yeah. special way, yeah. exactly. And, you know, the RVP goal, that was yeah. kind of like the triggering off of, hey, you know, this is a big tournament. This is the World Cup now. We've kind of arrived when you see a goal of that quality flying yeah. against the world champions. That was kind of like, you know, we've arrived now. This is going to be something special. And the rest of the tournament has so far lived up to those early expectations. I just hope... The final does the same that we don't see a repeat of the 1991. I wrote, I wrote about that uh, today, in fact. So there will be a piece coming down the pipe. Uh, there, there are far too many to list, but I, I have a few actually. So I think the the goalkeeper, five or six goalkeepers in this tournament, is ridiculous. Navas, Ochoa, Navas for sure. Yeah. Manuel Neuer's sweeper performance against Algeria, where he looked yeah. like he was the fifth uh, <laughs> fifth defender, which is just an incredible. Yeah. Kaylor Davis, who's on his way to Bayern Munich now to be Neuer's number two. Interesting. Um, That's Tim Howard, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's weird. I think we've seen so many good players now in this tournament, outfield players, that the goalkeepers have had to be that much better, and the majority of them had stunning tournaments, very good. And obviously there was some that didn't. Like uh, I think Akin 5 comes to mind immediately. But Well, the irony is that I think overall the save percentage is, is down, which you would obviously read immediately and think, oh, well, uh, just I, I think it's fair to say the players are that much better. Yeah. Right? So that was very cool. But I think mine is definitely Costa Rica winning that group with England, Italy, and Uruguay there. And nobody... I, I'm sure you're you're out there and you're sitting on a pretty sum of money that you put a five spot on and you're you're basking in it. But I didn't see anyone thinking that Costa Rica could no. get out, let alone get to the quarterfinals, let alone take the Dutch to penalties and nearly sneak their way in. Like yeah. the story that would have been. And I think that Costa Rica's uh, excellence at this tournament kind of sums up what international football. It's a bit of a sea change now, where the best teams and the average teams, it's a very small gap. Any given day, one team can beat another by employing a set of tactics that they know will work for them. And sure, aesthetically, it may not be pleasing, but people going in on Iran for playing a, a defensive style against Argentina, what are they supposed to do? Right. I don't understand. Are they supposed to run and gun with them and get blown out 7-1? But to me, the real example that was the incredible, and this is the sort of the other, I guess it was my second moment, was the Algeria-Germany game. That's right, exactly, right? 16 match, and, and Algeria almost won. They mm-hmm. were pre- like pressed and early. You see, there's players like Islam Slamini, who more of these countries have, these game-breakers like Joel Campbell in Costa Rica, where... Years ago, it wasn't like that. It was even more like, all right, we'll put 10 men behind the ball and pray to God we get through. No, you have brilliant, brilliant players who are playing in some of the biggest teams and leagues in Europe who come to these tournaments with countries that you wouldn't associate world-class players. And they're there, and they and they lit it up, and they really said that there was world rankings and prestige and et cetera, whatever you want to say, but 
the talent around the world is being spread more mm-hmm. evenly. And hopefully yeah. that means that the Euro 2016 isn't a mess, even though there's way too many teams and I don't even know why they have qualifying. Hopefully that means that we just have a deeper pool of talent where it's not a, it's not a, a given that Spain will crush Armenia 11-1. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I think there seems to be an appreciation of the importance of speed because in the old days, you know, if you were a small team, you might try to, you know, you might try to play defensively and slow slow the game down. But now it seems like the Costa Rica model uh, reflected this a bit. But but it wasn't just that teams were trying to shell their way out of out of problem situations that they were actually trying to attack uh, to nick a goal. Truly, truly nick yeah. a goal on the counterattack and do so to actually. Get a foothold in a in a you know games that shouldn't otherwise be winnable. So that that I mean that's exciting for a neutral to see, and that makes the sort of uneven competitions a little more um, you know palatable for for the neutral, I guess. So absolutely. And when yeah. you look at you know Algeria, as you said, pushed Germany so close, and the Germans came in for some criticism after that game. You know, oh, it's Algeria it should be steamrolling. Well, I mean, this is the World Cup and the latter stages of the World Cup. You don't get that far by being a poor team. Yeah. And I think you're right. That's what we're seeing now. We're seeing the you know the richer spread across more evenly across other countries. And that can only be good for the game, you know. Like I'm fed up watching that. You know, the San Marino's getting done fifteen nil. Yeah. Well, I think San Marino's got some way to go on World Football, <laughs> to be fair. But the the other interesting thing uh, too, and this is what we sort of assume doesn't happen anymore, is that there's a real sense, especially Conquer, uh, Costa Rica and their group stage matches, that uh, that this was the first time that Italy had played a team like Costa Rica, really, you mm-hmm. know, under under the heat of that sun and. and it's just different. It's different when it's in South America or even, you know, a little closer to Central America than we've seen a World Cup in the last last few years. Different circumstances, uh, different uh, atmosphere, and, and kind of a different result as well. And so it was a real sense of, like, it was just nice as someone who's watched Canada qualifiers to see, like, a team like Italy. And Someone else has to deal with that. Yeah, that you, you, shit, you see. It's not easy, man. Exactly. Like, the, people... go, play, go play a World Cup qualifier in San Jose and tell me how you feel about it. Well, Klinsman, you know, Klinsman learned. It was like a baptism by fire in, in qualifying. CONCACAF is a very special uh, region to, yeah. to qualify for the World Cup out of, and I think Costa Rica... It's, uh, it's a good point to pivot off of. In terms of the negative, I know I don't want to spend too long on this, but... CONCACAF only having the amount of spots they do compared to CAF and, and the Asian uh, countries. It was a bad tournament for Africa and Asia, and mm-hmm. I think more so Asia. But it's unfortunate because Africa, I think it's far too easy to, to paint it as a, a problem that is just to, to the continent and, <clears throat> and not to the specific countries itself, even though it is. Unfortunately, it seemed that many of the same problems plagued all of the countries, and, yeah. like bonus payments and infighting and, and, yeah. and problems like that. That was definitely a sour note. A- the Asian countries, I, Japan and South Korea, I think if you were to make all 32 teams, they, they're in that bottom four, that, that fourth tier. I expected a little more from Japan. Extremely but, poor, yeah. extremely bad. Um, Australia was like the shining light, and that was mm-hmm. not expected coming into this. So definitely wasted. I don't know what... It's funny, I think 2002 was, what, 12 years ago now? And that was the the, the year for Japan and South Korea... I don't know if the game's development has stalled, but I, I definitely think that there's some uh, a lot of work to be done. South Korea barely qualified, fired their coach right before the tournament. It was always going to be a risky endeavor, but this was it was shocking to me how and poor they, they were. And they got the toffees. They got they were told <laughs> to they had candy that were shaped like penises thrown at them when they came <laughs> back to to Seoul, being basically told to eat dick when they yeah. came back. So. Not some great merchandising uh, opportunities there to be had. For sure, right? And if For they're sure, not right? doing it, I damn well am. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pretty easy to set up a business in uh, in South Korea. I'll, yeah. uh, I'll put you in touch with some contacts. Thanks. I just need to get a mold to make my 
genital shaped. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Big, the negative, something negative for you. Yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit there. You know, the African nations, you know, the controversy we saw around, you know, various allegations like a discipline on and off the field as well, which is always disappointing to see in a, in a tournament that, that otherwise kind of, I guess, shone a light, really. I mean, obviously, my personal perspective, really let down by England's display. Although I keep having this kind of argument within myself that it's probably the first time that England has actually met expectations at a World Cup and that we went into it not expecting to do anything and we ended up not actually doing anything. That being said, I still felt they had enough about them to exit from the group stages. So to kind of have that loss in concentration against Uruguay, that was the big turning point for me. Italy could have gone either way uh, and then have that dead rubber against Costa Rica. That was the big letdown for me. And the problem I have is, you know, without getting too deep in the weeds about England and the FA and the problems they've got, it's not like I don't see some sort of miraculous German-style recovery whereby suddenly, you know, the FA understands what it needs to do to accomplish things in the international stage and they change everything around. I don't think that's going to happen. They seem fairly clueless when you're bringing in people like potentially Danny Mills to sit on the FA Council. Jesus Christ. I think you've got deeper lying issues. So uh, I'm not holding out any hope anytime soon. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. Uh, Rich? Um, I guess uh, I didn't have much problems with what's going on the pitch. I guess what I have now have difficulty dealing with is the constant anxiety that everyone has over whether the group stage matches are good, whether the knockout rounds are negative, or whether they're positive. And I think I think there's a lot of different things going on. I think we, we tend to look at the past a little more nostalgically because you know we've been able to forget some of the more boring moments but I think we've also taken for granted that the game has changed significantly tactically and I wrote about this in this feature today about um, you know the introduction of pressing really changed the game and uh, in some ways in a very good way because it forced uh, the game to develop extremely talented elite players like Cristiano Ronaldo and, and, and Lionel Messi you can beat very very disciplined back fours beat you know very physical high pressing games but at the same time, I think in a World Cup, it, it tends to it tends to be draining, and it can lead to some very negative results. And we fortunately didn't see that much as much in this tournament. But the constant, like any time there was a nil nil, you know, nil nil at full time, just like the oh, I want the group stages to come mm-hmm. back, and oh, I wish it wasn't like this. And nah, nah, nah. it's just like I just don't understand why people like like oh, this is the worst game I've ever seen, or like this is a an it's abomination. just hyperbole. Like, Fuck right yeah, off! Yeah, like yeah. I don't. It doesn't matter really what yeah. you think, really. And I, I understand that, like, I don't know. Not, not all nil-nils are created equal either. I think there were some very entertaining nil-nil draws. Absolutely. And there yeah. were some awful, awful ones, for sure. But so in, I think I don't mind us talking about this. And and obviously some interesting changes like the the back pass rule, you know, I think really mm-hmm. helped free things up. And, I, and changes to the offside rule obviously changed the game significantly as well. So I don't think these conversations should be off the table. I just think, like... Attributing every single match, like in the guise of like, oh, another bad World yeah, Cup. Yeah, the game's like, broken. Yeah, yeah, it just becomes a bit tiresome. So that was negative. Agreed, one hundred percent. All right, we have one thing left to do, and that's the big final. Talk about that: Germany, Argentina. Adidas gets their wish. Two Adidas branded uh, right. teams. Oh, he's thinking. I'm this, you know, bottom line. I'm, I just tell me what shape Adidas makes and their, their symbol, and we'll go forward with that. Is it Adidas or Adidas? I've been getting a lot of grief for my Ooh. pronunciation of that company. Adidas. Yeah. Just uh, pronounce it in a German accent. You Adidas. Adidas. Yeah. I've never heard Adidas. I think it's a European thing. It's probably, yeah. right? Yeah. I like the hard A. Adidas. Yeah. Been wrapping yeah. up for that. Yeah. So there's plenty of storylines to talk about. I think for the um, the haters that still exist that like to troll Lionel Messi, the final box to be checked on his wonderful career. He's a 27-year-old, but it feels like we're talking about a, a 40-year-old on his last uh, back nine <laughs> last before hurrah. he retires. 
World Cup glory. And he has been a huge, huge part of this Argentinian team that hasn't looked like an offensive dynamo. But when they've needed it, Messi has provided that moment. Maybe not so much against the Dutch, but nobody did on either side in that game. Meanwhile, Germany looks like the the perfect team. Mm -hmm. And what they did to Brazil in Brazil, just shocking. Shocking. Ridiculous. Who? uh, So I guess the question is, who do you like? Why? And uh, give me a final score line. We'll start with uh, James. Wow. Okay. So final score line for me, I'm going to go for... Oh, man. I so want Messi to win it just because, as you said, I want him to I want him to actually lift the World Cup. And I think he deserves it. I can't look beyond Germany, though. I think it's going to be a 2-0 victory for Germany. Um, I just think they're too well the machine. They're into their stride now. They they just look like the the real deal. And we talked about the USA looking greater than the sum of their parts. Well, Germany does too. And let's be honest, they've got a pretty damn good squad as well. I think if Germany, if Schweinsteiger does a job on Messi, whether they go man-to-man on him or try and push him out wide a little bit more, I think if they just keep him quiet, they'll be fine. And they've got the firepower through the middle to grab a couple of goals. I don't think Argentina are going to be strong enough. That said, my heart really does kind of want to see Messi lifting that trophy aloft because I think he's already achieved so much in the game. He deserves it. I just think that the team that Germany has will be too strong for them. I don't expect it to be a classic, though. Rich? Um, I'll say, I don't know, know, just pull it out of the air. I have no idea, but I'll say 2-2 and then um, Argentina winning on penalties just because I want that. But... uh, no, I think it's it's a really difficult da- game to predict. I think that the I wrote about this the other day. But I think uh, Sevilla sort of made a very simple but a very effective change beginning with the Belgium game, just keeping the fullbacks back and keeping a tight backline. Obviously, De, De Michele is coming into the defense, and uh, Mascarano having an incredible tournament has helped as well. But I think the problem is is that that works against Holland when you you know a team that generally you know is a wide wider midfield. Uh, so all they really have to do is cut off the the wing backs and and. Uh, and uh, you know they kept uh, Wesley Snyder, who was not having a great game by any stretch, on his I believe, own. I believe trash was yeah, the word to yeah. describe <laughs> wet trash. Yeah. Um, so I mean that that's a different prospect than what they'll have to do against Germany because the German midfield they can work through the center, which they definitely did very effectively against uh, Brazil. So I think it will be a, a slightly uh, a slightly difficult. Uh, Mascarano can't do it all on his mm. own. Um, so I think that at some point Argentina is going to have to attack and. Uh, I guess Di Maria is still out for the final. Is that 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 certain? Yes. Yeah. So it'll ha- they'll have to, and Aguero will be probably fit to start. Maybe I don't know. Depends. That, I mean, that that's hamstring, the key question. That hamstring, man. I don't know if you can because get if they start minutes, with the yeah. same personnel, I would say Argentina are in big trouble because they They're, have to get into that game. They have to score in, in regular time or at least they were, try. There were promising signs, especially from Levetzi and uh, Perez, uh, Di Maria's replacement. But I think I'm going to echo you guys. I have three one Germany. I think if you look at how Argentina's progressed thus far, it's with those defensive tactics and relying on um, moments of brilliance from Lionel Messi. And not to say he can't do that against Germany, but you look at this German team, I'm, I have problems finding their weakness, and if their biggest weakness is Mesut which mm-hmm. I think many believe, then they should be okay. I think their me- b- biggest weakness is Benedict Hovedes, and, and he's and, barely been tested, right. really. So, And uh, I think, uh, basically, like Tony Cruz, to me, is... I think a top five player in this tournament and deserves a lot more recognition and you saw it against Brazil 
too many players like James said. I Lionel Messi winning in Brazil, winning that World Cup mm-hmm. would be fantastic and glorious with LeBron James in attendance and saying like, "Hey, we're <laughs> the best of the best." Then he do like a, a hand power thing. Salute. I think you'll find LeBron's a fan of Rodriguez. They were tweeting between. That's right. Other, that's yeah. right. Yeah, but I don't think LBJ knows that it's not James Rodriguez. I don't right? think it's he does either. But we'll just LeBron Jaime's has yeah. to be the new thing. That would be cool. I want to um, keep calling him Hamid for some reason. <laughs> I'm Hamid's. changing my name as well, by the way. That's all. Yeah. Also. This is random and a non sequitur, but Fred did dug his own grave and choosing Fred as his nickname. That was terrible. Yeah. All right. Around the board, we've all got Germany, so Argentina is definitely winning the World Cup. Uh, I hope you've all enjoyed the tournament. We certainly have. Uh, it's been long. It's been arduous, but definitely fun. And there are far worse things we could be doing than watching football every day for the last month. Hell yeah. Done it before. That's it for us. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Take care.